Welcome to Real Talk Universe, eco-feminist, vegan, spiritual commentary. Hi, Wan Wan. Hello, Cherise. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Yeah? Could you tell that my inflection went up so I wasn't being completely honest with Yes, you? well, that's why now I'm staring you down. Tell us the truth. <laughs> As I take a sip of my buck wild water. You're getting buck wild up in here, girl. <laughs> my week has been good. I'm doing fine. I think the inflection was I'm thinking about overall in my life right now. Mm. In the present moment, everything is fine. Well, isn't that really all that matters? <laughs> It is. Let's say in the present moment, I have my buckwheat. I have my soul friend. I have two candles in front of me. Mm-hmm. What else could I want? Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I'm really glad that you brought that up, the present time thing, because I have done a lot of research this week on meditation. Have you? Yeah. And I know that our listeners, if you've been a steady listener since the beginning, <laughs> you may remember that I do not meditate. I was going to say, you famously have not been a meditation practicer. I just don't. And I think the reason is because I understand that there's value in it. I understand the science behind it, that it's incredibly healthy. I mean, it's just, it's nice to just shut the brain down and really tune into the present moment. But I'm just not a present moment kind of gal. <laughs> we know that I like to live in the fantasy world of nothingness, which is the future, because we have no idea what's going to happen. Fantasy world of nothingness. I think that was your first album title <laughs> that you released back in 1997. I think that's my favorite episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> so, I, you know, like, I have just been experiencing some anxiety, some anxiety since I quit Zillow. We'll get into that later. And... I just felt like I needed some guidance on how to kind of reframe my way of thinking. And so I started listening to a new podcast, That's So Retrograde, and they have lots of guest speakers on there that are meditation specialists and whatnot. And so I decided to just start you know, downloading some apps, doing a little bit of research, nothing too crazy. But the past 24 hours of my life have probably been the most relaxing 24 hours of my life because anytime I find myself getting crazy and spiraling into, oh my gosh, it's going to be Monday in blah, 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 blah. And I get crazy about it. I'm just like, no, stop. Notice your breath. Where are you? Do you, are, do you have tension in your shoulders? It's like a check-in almost. So it's not even like I'm at the meditation stage. I'm just checking in and it's super awesome. That does sound super awesome. Yeah. And I totally get the feeling about Sundays to Mondays. <sighs> I feel like I wake up on Sundays anxious, feeling like there will not be enough time. Yes. And five o'clock on a weekday seems so early, but five o'clock on a Sunday seems like it's midnight. No, you're absolutely correct. I dread Sunday nights. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's like, why? This is your free time. Right. Yeah. It's and like you're jipping yourself of your free time. And when we think, of course, how time is only linear in the Western perspective Mm -hmm. and time is time, the sun doesn't shine because it's eight o'clock. Right. It's eight o'clock because the sun is shining. Oh, that is so meta. (laughs) You can quote me on a bamboo (laughs) stick and sell it for $25 (laughs) in the Real Talk gift shop. Oh my God. Which we don't have yet. One day, one day. One day. (laughs) But it makes me feel so rushed. I've noticed that one of my irrational patterns is my misuse of time and my panic Mm. 
about time running out. Mm -hmm. That has been a pattern that's come up so much lately. And I think we were talking about this. We were talking about booking airlines. Maybe I must have been talking with somebody else about this. But whenever I've had to book a few airline flights in the past week, I get so anxious. Why? I don't know. I'm so anxious because I'm wondering if these are the very best times. I'm anxious that all of the cookies are being registered on my computer and the price is going to go up $100 if I X out of it. I'm nervous that... Oh, that happens? Sometimes. Oh, my God. I think. I ain't no tech guru, but... That would make total sense, though. But there have been times, though, that... And maybe that's because it's happened to me before, and that could have been coincidence. I don't know if that was because of that, but... I think about how I obsess over making decisions quickly. I'm biting my nails right now, right? I am. My heart rate just, I need to freaking meditate right now. <laughs> so your eyes are all glazed over and I don't like, think it's the nectarine candle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I've, I think that I, I also subconsciously get very anxious over the idea of not having enough time, but not necessarily on this earth just temporarily, like in the moment, you know, like I get very stressed about the immediacy of what needs to happen within a, like a small time frame, only for me to realize I don't have to do that right now. Yeah. I feel the same way. I feel like my time on earth, even knock on wood that I'm not going to go tomorrow. But if I did, I feel like I used my time overall very well, which Mm -hmm. is why it's very odd that I feel like in the moment Mm. I'm not using my time or that I'm just rushed with everything. Oh God, this is so effed up. I just, (laughs) this topic just got me all riled up because I was watching a YouTube video and we can link it in the show notes because it was the channel that you introduced me to of like the quick videos. School of life. Yes. The school of life. Oh my goodness. One day I just went home and Googled what is an existential crisis and am I having one? And there it was. (laughs) If you have to ask, you already know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it confirmed. Yes. So (laughs) I was just watching a bunch. It just kind of led me down the rabbit hole. And one of the videos was, why are we not happy in the present moment? Or why is being in the present moment so difficult for us? And it was so, so enlightening and so insightful, but it basically just talked about how whenever we are enjoying things in our present moment, our minds are elsewhere. We're already in the future or we're in the past thinking, oh God, I got to pay the bills. Oh God, I got to take Susie to soccer practice in three hours. We better get home and I got to do the laundry and all this stuff. But then when we look back from, you know, once we're, we are, you know, time has passed and we look back, oh, what a great birthday party that was. Right. But it's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. No, you're just stuck in a, in a pattern of not really enjoying and living the present. Right. Well, and when that birthday party was happening, what were you doing? You were taking pictures the whole time. You were, oh, you, know, yes. you were putting it on your story. You weren't actually being present there either. So it's like we're chronicling the present in the future so we can remember the past. We're literally in a Black Mirror episode. We are. This is a simulation. And honey, don't talk to me about a simulation. <laughs> I know. You know all about Says. this. <laughs> I got to refill my buck wild water. <laughs> Please do it. Do you need a refill? I sure do, honey. Honey. You do? Okay, 
I'm gonna load you up. Top me off, girl. Mm-hmm. See, this is why you will be the great diner host. I really see you <laughs> in some sort of with my very like loosely fitting like embroidered shirt. Yes, just leaning over. You're not charging me for the refill, even though you're supposed to. Oh, honey, you don't know that. I was gonna say, but it's fine because you spit in my food earlier, <laughs> and so we're all getting what we're due. Guess what? There was gluten in that pie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, my knees would tell me before I even <laughs> left the building. Oh, hell. So yesterday, I had a fucked up dream <laughs> in the context of time. <laughs> or should I say time? Time Have is... we talked about it? No, we haven't. <laughs> this is the story. This is the story. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my well, gosh. I have to pause so you can tell the oh. story. God, okay. Miss Carrot Cake herself. Okay, we're, we'll call her Miss Carrot Cake. I don't want to reveal names. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Where do I even start with this? Uh, she I taught see. me single handedly all about the importance of time. I mean, really, she she defined it. She has taught a generation <laughs> because of <laughs> I all would the tell time. this story then, to everybody. And then I tell this story claiming that I was there. I know, I know. I can't believe you weren't there. I, I feel like you were. In all of the stories that we have totally <laughs> reconfigured, I wasn't there for a lot of them. All right, oh, fuck, I'll tell the story. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Let me tell the story. It was 2012 Halloween. Fuck. <laughs> Let's go back in time, y'all. I just y'all. got shivers down my <laughs> spine. So it was Halloween 2012. This is when Juan and I were teaching together. Oh, no, you weren't teaching there yet, but you were going to be. So we were in that phase of our first year. It was the transition, first year of teaching. Anyway, so I was talking to this guy, and he invited me to this local Halloween party, and it was just going to be like a small get-together, just like kind of trashy. He's like, you know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just like, just meet me there. So I... I'm so nervous because I was like really feeling this guy. Was I? No. A psychic told me he was my soulmate. So anyway, we'll move on from that. Mr. November. Mr. November. Mr. Mr. October. No, no, it was Mr. Scorpio. Oh, that's right. And his birthday. Remember, she was like, you're going to meet. Oh, it was like the most ambiguous. You're going to meet like a... um, man with a water sign. Well, guess what? That's like a quarter of the goddamn population. And then the guy I was talking to was water sign. So I was like, oh, he's my soulmate. Look, we weren't (laughs) as woke. 2012 was a rough year. It was a really rough time. So I met him at this party. And as we're walking in together, this girl who was wearing feather, like a feathered boa, all black, a very skimpy outfit, looked adorable, but also a little bit of a hot mess, runs out of the house and says, oh my God. And I'm not exaggerating her voice, everybody. I'm not exaggerating her voice. Oh my God. We don't have a tap for the keg. Oh my God. What are we going to do? I was like, what the heck? And so the lovely man that I was with said, oh, well, I'm happy to, clearly this girl was trashed. So he's like, oh, I'm happy to, you know, go get the tap. And I was like, okay, let's fine. I'm just like looking to get this whole thing rolling. So anywho, so he ends up being the knight in shining armor, shows up with the keg and that stuff and blah, blah, blah. So we're hanging out and the party's, I'm, I'm mind numbingly bored. Wasn't that when you developed a relationship with the Asian coalition? I'm so glad you just brought that up because that's exactly my vision was sitting at the kitchen table and I was speaking to the, um, oh my, were they grad students 
from China? I can't quite remember. That sounds familiar. But I think this was after the hot pot situation where I went to the same house, like, I guess beforehand. It was for, like, a, a local hot pot. I don't really know. I blocked really all this out. See, like we said, 2012 was a weird year. It was a weird time. But I spent most of my time in the kitchen just chilling with these people, getting to know these Asian grad students. I had no idea where my date was most of the time. Anywho, flat, like moving along. So everyone's moving outside to this bonfire in the backyard. So I go out there and I find my date. And he's outside dancing very freely with the girl that I guess lived at this house with the feathers and they're dancing to TikTok, the age old classic from Kesha. Again, 2012. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And Kesha is singing her song and Carrot Cake Girl, as she later we later came to know her as, is just dancing away. And saying, oh, Kesha is such an artist. And I was just <laughs> shook. I was just, I didn't know what to do. I, I laughed because I thought she was kidding. And then the whole thing unraveled. And I was just, but he was like clearly feeling this girl. So I was really over it. But then like somehow we transitioned to this bonfire. He took off his jacket. He gave it to me. Oh, what a gentleman. What a gentleman. What a gentleman. And then he developed hiccups. And out of goddamn nowhere... Freaking carrot cake, Kesha girl appears and says to him, only time can get rid of the hiccups. Only time. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you can have a glass of water and that'll be good. (laughs) Only time can get rid of hiccups. I mean, everyone was so drunk. And I'm just like, am I in a goddamn simulation? Y'all, we've been living in a simulation. Honestly, since before we were born. (laughs) That's why it's a simulation. That is. So, anywho, so I went home to Juan. (laughs) 2012. With a pile of dub wrappers on the couch Mm -hmm. as I sit there on Halloween (laughs) eating myself into oblivion. (laughs) And I said, boy, do I have a story for you. I, I just don't understand what just happened. But the hostess of this party taught me so much about myself. So much about the importance of music in our generation. Just really a, a gem, a true gem. Well, y'all, I'm going to spoil alert for you because those two, my date and time Carrot Cake Kesha Girl, and Carrot Cake has nothing to do with the story. We just called her Kesha, uh, Carrot Cake Girl. For, I don't even know. I don't, yeah, I don't remember when that developed. I don't even know. It was just like an inside joke between you and me. But they ended up, he ended up making a very dramatic announcement to me in my classroom saying, so I've been seeing her and I'm with her now. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm dating her officially. And so for some context, it was because we all worked at the same school. Oh, yeah. I should probably have said that. He didn't just randomly come to Sharif's classroom. That would have been much more interesting. Mm. Also. That's true. He just stopped by. Right. It wasn't like he went out of his way. But some important piece for our spiritualists out there is that I knew this person mm-hmm. before I knew that he and Sharice were connected mm-hmm. because I taught at that school the year before in the room connected to the greenhouse. Right. Where he volunteered. Yep. Right. And so all of these players, we were just in one cesspool, just waiting to be swirled. No, honestly though, it really was. I mean, it was like the OC. 
Southern edition. I mean, it really, really was. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there like, oh my God, you're dumping me, even though we weren't really dating, but like you're ditching me for carrot cake Kesha time girl. Like I was just so like, fuck, I got work to do. If you're leaving me for this girl, I have some serious self-work to do. And I remained single for a long time after that. Cause I was like, I have some shit that needs to be done. <laughs> this is the case. And they dated for years. They traveled the world together. It was magic. It was beautiful. I felt like I lived it. I feel like I'm responsible. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, as you know, it wasn't you that needed to improve. No, it was, they were on the same frequency. Right. He was looking for carrot cake. Yeah. Well, he got it. Yeah. And I learned all about time. Mm-hmm. Golly. We all did. God, she was just truly. And one day she, that poor girl. And, you know, I really, I really look back on that time and I look at how I was probably received at that party. And you and I do this all the time. We think about us in certain situations back then. And we're like, wow, how did people view us? Because we thought we had it. We thought we just knew it. we were too cool for school. Right. People were probably looking at me like, wow, this stick in the mud can't have fun. Can't let loose. Like is just sitting there getting to know the Asian coalition. What is her deal? You know? And so, and she was just like this wild and free girl dancing to Kesha with her feathered boa commenting on the importance of time. Wow, if only we all could be there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I even forgot until you told the story again that it was about hiccups because we've gotten to the point that we've had these stories for so many years that I really forget how they actually originated. I just know the punchline at the end. I just know the thing that we repeat really without thinking. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I think the beautiful piece of the story is that just because I was bitter for so long about it, I tried to find alternatives to getting rid of the hiccups. I was like, bitch, I'll show you. I can do this right now. I don't need no time to get rid of my hiccups. And now I can get rid of them with my mind, with my mind power. Wow. I know. I'm magic. You telekinesis. Yes. So anywho, that's the little tangent of, but I think it's very important for our listeners to know this because whenever we're on the real talk stage, <laughs> you're going to know. the remix of time, 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 time. The only thing that can get rid of hiccups is <laughs> That's going to be our intro as we, as we come out on stage with our lights flashing. With our feathered dresses oh my looking God. like Natalie Portman in Black Swan, which that's is how, how I picture her. No, but that's actually what she... And I, I remember... <laughs> oh my God, I love that you just said that. Because she was a bird. That was her costume. She was a bird. And, she had, and I remember she asked me, what are you? And I said what are you? Because there's, and she's like, I'm a bird. I'm like, where's your beak? Where are your wings? <laughs> where's anything <laughs> demonstrating that you're a bird? You're wearing a very skimpy dress and a boa. I was going to say, what I- look like a flapper. I imagined <laughs> her to basically just hot glue dollar store feathers <laughs> to a corset. No, it wasn't even that advanced because <laughs> that would have shown effort. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm coming off very bitchy right now, but from just from being in that space and just feeling the judgment so hard because I was also giving it back. So there was just, it was just a mess. It was just a mess of a time, but what a, what an important piece to the puzzle it was for me. Yeah, it really was. That time was so important. It really was. Well, 
Now I don't even really remember what our intro was I to know. the time story. What were we even talking about? Uh, we were just talking about probably my airline obsession <laughs> and always feeling like there's not enough time. Oh, yeah. Well, we were anxiety. talking about, yeah. Yeah. But it really has become almost an addiction for me to worry about the way that I spend my time. Mm. Is that what we're going to go down? Addictions? <sighs> you got any? <laughs> <laughs> You got any to share with the class? Honey, you know I do. Don't you even try and prompt me. You know I am the addiction queen, which is real unfortunate, and I'm trying to break my addictions. Well, you've had a very interesting Lent, given your addictions. (laughs) The Catholic girl that you are. I was just going to say. The Catholic school girl that you are. I was going to say, in no means, really, truly by no means, is my abstaining from a certain practice have anything to do with the tradition of Lent. (laughs) What prompted it was my father asking me, so what you giving up for Lent? (laughs) And I'll be like, so much to learn about me. Yeah. It's like, Oh dad. Oh dad. Um, I will. And then I just, you know, spiral because every year my dad, my family's very strict with Lent every year. My dad and my mom, they gave up sugar and my dad gives up alcohol and they're very, very strict with Lent. Um, and this is a, I mean, my dad, this is a man who has a very long commute time. And as he's going back and forth between hospitals, has a big old bag of Sour Patch Kids or jelly beans or, you know, some kind of fruit candy, which is where I get it from. So you got it from your dad? I def- Oh, I definitely did. And my salt addiction, I mean, pretty much most, I can't even say most of my addictions because I definitely got some from my mom, but my food addictions of sugar and salt and all that, definitely my dad. Yeah. So whenever, and that's why he restricts during Lent because that's his way of justifying the balance. So for me, when he says, what are you giving up for Lent? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> got to find something because I, I don't know. Well, Lord, did I find something? <laughs> and Lord, literally, I think about what you gave up and I think about what Jesus would say. I think about Jesus's relationship to what you <laughs> gave up for Lent. <clears throat> Why don't you share with us? Y'all really want to know. Yeah, we do. I gave up real estate websites. (laughs) Now, my listeners, my dear listeners, you may not know me personally all that well, but I'm going to share some things with you. (laughs) We're going to get real. I just got a shot of endorphins. I I actually just got giddy. I felt my heart leap into my throat. Disturbing. <laughs> so I have a serious addiction. <laughs> I have a serious addiction to Zillow.com, Realtor.com, and AA. They say you have to name your demons. So this is what I'm doing. Trulia. <clears throat> Trulia.com. Craigslist sometimes when I'm really trying Desperate. to find when I'm really trying to find the grime. Yeah. If I'm trying to find the grime of a city, damn, you go on Craigslist, you go on those rentals apartments, and mm-hmm. you're just in it. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Basically, every day I get emails sent to me, and I check my email every single day. I get emails flooded. You have five new searches that just popped up for this random ass city that you're never going to live in, or this random ass city, because that's how frequently I look up random ass cities and their real estate market. I really have missed, 
you know, my calling. But the reason that I do this, it's really, again, it's not about the what, it's really about the why. It's always about the source. Why am I doing this? And I have come to find that it is actually, I have an addiction to these sites because I'm not addicted to the site. I'm addicted to the vision of what my life could be if I lived in that apartment in that city or that home in that city or whatever the fuck I'm doing. In Swahoma, in mm-hmm. Tacoma. Oh, I've been everywhere. In Sioux Falls. I, oh God. Well, that's where people go to die. I'm so scared. We were were looking up jobs in Sioux Falls at one point. We were. (laughs) Um, We were. And, but that's just a testament to exactly the problem is that I have entertained the idea of every single piece of our great land. And I know it's a problem and I have done lots of digging into why it's a problem, but here I am not on a real estate website for how many days? Not even two weeks. And the first few days were awful. It was an actual withdrawal. Like I was experiencing withdrawal symptoms. I was drinking lots of coffee again, eating lots of sugar. I was clinging on to other addictions. I started picking at my skin. I have just been like, I have been, I basically, like you said, swapped one addiction for another. Yeah. And here I am. Here you are. Mm-hmm. Well, and this was something that you had part of really your identity. Because mm-hmm. the people who know you know that that's your morning ritual before school. Oh, yeah. Before school, on the weekends, every single morning, you guys. Every single morning. This is what I do. And people, are, like when people find this out about me, <clears throat> they kind of laugh about it. And they're like, oh, well, we all have our thing. But again, it's not the what, it's the why. Right. And finding out the why I uncovered in a journaling um, session that lasted a really long time. And it was very moving and, and very eye opening, but it has to of course do with my parents, Mm -hmm. um, of course to do with my childhood of my mom doing this with me when I was very young, we'd go downstairs, we'd go on the computer together and we'd look up all the potential homes that we might live in. And my mom was so good at making sure that I was her co-pilot in our lives together, especially before my brother came around and we would just daydream about moving to Maine and California. And I wonder what the houses look like in Florida. And, you know, we've, gosh, we've also been everywhere together. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to fulfill that, that need of fantasy, of change, of what my life could be. And you are not alone in an addiction of that sort. Oh, I know, honey. That's why we connect so well. Right, because I'm not looking up houses. You know what I'm looking up. What you looking up? Jobs. Oh, you're so good at that. I am so good, and it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. And really, it's a cry for help. <laughs> when within 48 hours, I'm going to be a caretaker on a Spanish animal sanctuary. That's right. I remember that. In the hills of Barcelona, mm-hmm. but also going to be the Lakota Faith Specialist at Crazy Horse High School. I was the Lakota Faith Specialist. You were the superintendent. That's true. <laughs> no, but y'all, but we, was, we were going to do that. <laughs> we actually considered doing it. Yeah, we did. Um, I <clears throat> remember that day when we lived together and I told you very seriously that I was ready to be a sex therapist and move out to mm-hmm. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it was because their website had... A, like a woman, probably like a trans woman with a beard. 
And that was your reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Said, she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. She has a beautiful ear piercing, really bright pink lipstick. Mm -hmm. And that right next to it said, sex therapy. And I said, oh my God, this is what it's meant to be all along. (laughs) The amount of times you and I have said that. But this is what was meant to be all along. But I just couldn't see it before. But my whole entire journey led me to this. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. Applying to PhD programs. No, that was that was part of the track to get me to be a mental health counselor. But really, I was supposed <laughs> to be a kindergarten teacher. But really, I was supposed to be working at a food co-op in Minneapolis. But really, the whole plan was for me <laughs> to be a professor at the hometown university that my parents went to. Y'all, we have been on a journey because let me tell you something. Not only do I share Zillow Fit, like listings with Juan on a daily basis, but he shares his update of his job search with me. So on a daily basis, we are different people living in different cities. I mean, how have we not developed an actual disorder? Oh, actually we have. We this have. is an addiction. Yes, this is an addiction. <laughs> I'll never forget whenever I opened up a jar of affirmations that one of the programs I was in an undergrad, this would have been now five years ago, mm. when you and I had started telling people that we were moving to Texas, even though we had no jobs. No jobs. No reason to move to Texas. There was literally no reason. No, there There was was nothing. There was actually nothing. It was literally Juan coming home one day saying, hey, you want to move to Dallas, Fort Worth area? And I said yes. And then we had a fun 48 hours in Dallas. It was so fun. And then we were moving there. Yeah. And so for me to look back at Mm. this jar of affirmations and to read people say, Oh my God, have so much fun in Texas. I remember this. And and at the time, as I'm just very nonchalantly sharing this, everybody, I mean, who would question somebody when they say this? Yeah, of course. Because whenever you tell anybody you're doing anything, just like I was about to go get my PhD in New Mexico. You were. And I, you know, I told my coworker, well, not all of them. I told a couple of my coworkers and they were like, awesome. Sounds great. And then... You know, a couple weeks later, hey, how's that going? Oh, that dream died. Yeah. Because that's the cycle. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. That has been my very recent history is people very reasonably wanting to follow up with things that I've told them was fact. And I was like, oh, honey, that was that was about three four hours ago. I was going to say, oh, that was three visions ago. <laughs> that was three cities, states, countries, astral planes ago. And, and literally <laughs> those can change in the course of one walk around the lake. Yeah. No, seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a problem. It's a huge problem. But I think that, so the reason that we share this with you guys, the reason that we are, we're not only doing this for our own therapy sake, because sometimes (laughs) you just got to get the shit out. It's true. (laughs) We are, as we sit at my kitchen table, we just, just talking to each other about this because we have to get the shit out. But the reason that we tell you guys this is because now that we have realized that this is a problem. It's almost like acceptance is the first step kind of deal. Yep. Um, We are now trying our best to catch it early when we detect signs of us slipping down this path. And for me, that journaling session of realizing the why of why do I do this? Why do I obsess about leaving something really great that I have and moving somewhere new because it's going to be so great and wonderful and all of these visions I have of it? Why do I do this? And if it wasn't for that journaling session to really wake my ass up, I would still be in the trap. It's the cycle. It's just really it is. 
And to our earlier point about time, both of our addictions are related to not thinking there's enough time to do all of it. Because we have to do it immediately. Right. Because I have to move to St. Pete immediately. I have to move to New York City immediately. Right. Like, you know, like, Brett and I have to get married and have children immediately because my clock's ticking. It's like, what? Right. Right. I have to be an animal caretaker immediately. I have to have my PhD immediately. Right. I have to just drop everything and start my own blog and make money from that immediately. Right. We have to move to Canada, the three of us, you, me, Brent, and start our co-op in Ontario immediately. That was a legitimate plan. We were actually going to do that for like a full 24 hours. That was our plan. We watched Taste of the Country on Netflix. Do it, everybody, if you haven't. We watched Taste of the Country literally... A few episodes, and all of a sudden, we were. We were I was. There. I was literally googling how to become a teacher in Canada. And I was looking at PhD programs in Canada. So was I. <laughs> I looked up the University of Toronto. Me too. So did Brent. <laughs> as I'm in, as I'm sitting in class, and I get a text message from Brent, who I know is only a few offices away from me, and says. Hey, look up this program at University of Toronto. I was like, no, not you too, honey. Not you too. Oh, God, the poor thing. Well, let's not forget <laughs> that during the hurricane two years ago, oh, we were it. all having our laptops open. I applied to a PhD program that night. I almost applied to the same one just to do it. Remember you said, are we both getting our PhDs at such and such in such and such? And I said, yes, we are. As I said, start application. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I know, okay, we're laughing, but in the moment, it is so real. Oh, in the moment, it makes so much sense. <laughs> and then only, I mean, I would say it's like throwing just darts at the dartboard yeah. and we see what actually sticks because yeah. most of it doesn't. Yeah. But for the thing that actually pans out, it's like, wow, that actually was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Time actually really did just run out, and this is what I had to pick. Uh-huh. And sometimes <laughs> it's chosen for you. No, and well, let's be honest, it always is. It, right. It really is. Because we think that we have all of the choice, which we do. We have to make the choice, but it's really bubbling in the answer to the answer key that we already have. Oh, shit. I'm putting that on a bamboo stick and selling it for $25. <laughs> putting on a bamboo <laughs> stick and smoking it in the backyard. Oh, hell. Well... And so for all of the rest of our friends listening who can't relate to these two addictions, obviously, when we talk about addictions, it could be for a variety of things. Oh, of course. And t- talking out loud about our two addictions, it could be obviously much worse. Oh, yeah. It could be hard drugs. It could be all sorts of things mm-hmm. that take more of a toll on our physical health than our mental health. And then to also take a toll on the people that love you. Exactly. And there is a framework that I really love using. Whenever I taught my leadership and change class last year, one of my favorite articles is by an author whose last name is Prochaska, and the article is called How Do People Change? And we were talking about it in class from a leadership context, but the entire class was about personal change as well. It didn't didn't just have to be leadership. And this has been one of my favorite things to go back to because it's so simple and so true, these five different stages about what happens when we actually want to heal an addiction. Mm. Heal an addiction for the sake of change. Right. So I'll go through these stages and we can, we can talk about them. Oh, tell me. All right. So stage one is the stage that people might spend in their entire lives. Fuck. It's called pre-contemplation. <gasps> 
Pre-contemplation is the stage in which people are not intending to change or take action. They may be informed about the consequences, have tried to change several times and been unsuccessful, or deny there's even a problem. Yikes. I, I have a few people that pop into my brain. Cue me as a high schooler every single night when the clock struck 12 midnight saying, now, today is the first day of the rest of my life that I'm not going to come home and eat two mm. bags of popcorn every day after school. I knew school. this was going to be about food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was saying, finally, this is the day I can do it. But then breaking it once and then saying, no. I won't be able to do this. Just the defeat of healing away an addiction and being unsuccessful so many times and saying, I guess it's always just going to be this way. Well, and because a lot of that is rooted in self-trust, mm. right? I mean, whenever we are not able to follow through with something that we have haphazardly promised ourselves, and this is for every food addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism, everything, we look back and we're like, wow, why can I not do this? We blame ourselves so much, but we all know, well, maybe we don't know, but I have heard this many times, especially from my cousin who actually works as a substance abuse counselor, that this is not entirely in our control, especially when it's something physiological like that. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, how disheartening to think that, oh my gosh, my physical body, I can't even trust my own physical body. Right. I mean, it's freaking heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking. And then, even to go to deny that there's even a problem, yeah. which I think you always know that it is a problem. But you go there for safety. Right. You go there for comfort. Oh, well, it's fine. Right. You I know, was, like, I'm, I've, I've gotten this far. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. But have you gotten to that place in a healthy way? Have you, like, did you arrive in a way that was whole? Probably not. Yeah. So that stage is always the one... In class, a lot of my students are like, I was stuck in this stage for a really long time. Did any of your students say that they are stuck in that stage? Many of them were. And so one of them, she was in an abusive relationship at the start of the class. And then it was actually on Valentine's Day. So about a month and a half into the semester, she broke up with him. You go. Hey, it was all her. I provided some resources. But then also somebody was contemplating becoming, like, identifying as gender neutral. Wow. And the pre-contemplation, they wrote in the first day of class, I don't want to use female pronouns anymore. And then by the end of February, they were using they. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So that stage is really real as long as you have something to activate it. So this is when stage two, contemplation, kicks in. Contemplation is the stage in which people intend to change. At this point, there are more pros than cons to the idea of change, though they, are, though they understand there will be some costs. Mm. So I'm thinking of that student using they pronouns, not really telling it to everyone, mm. but them saying, in class, I want to try this out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not telling my mom yet. I'm not telling whoever. Like This isn't becoming legal yet. But... I know that while it feels good for me, I also know that shit's going to get really hard if I actually go through with this entirely and fully yeah. commit to the change. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to reflect on a time <clears throat> if I've ever done that, but I don't think in this context. I think, I don't think in actually making changes for a positive, sustainable change. I think I've done this for things that I know were already wrong. <laughs> Like, yeah. like when I was, you know, 
in deep with dieting and, and severe eating disorder land, um, saying, I'm trying a new diet. I'm not going to tell anybody. But I think that's not the same thing. I think because that, to me, I thought it was. I thought, oh, finally, I'm going to make those changes. Kind of like where you were at, too, where it's like, I'm finally going to do it, and I'm going to make those changes, but I'm not going to tell a soul, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit different because this is meaning that you actually recognize the issue, the real right. issue. Right, right, right. So it's right. a little bit different. Yeah, and understanding probably the use of examples, of role models, mm. of knowing that other people have done this before. Right. And that's the support piece that in the pre-contemplation stage, you feel like you are so alone. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And so contemplation says, well, this person, I heard this story on a podcast or I read about this person. And so this person's modeling the way for me. And yeah, they said that it was really shitty, but it's going to be good in the end. Well, you know what? Now that you just said the role model piece, that's what got me started with really implementing actual real change into the body image movement. I was thinking about it, knowing that something was wrong, knowing it wasn't right, that I was extreme dieting and that I wasn't my best self and I just knew it. And then once I sought out the role models and I like forced myself to just completely encompass my life around those people and the literature and all of these, you know, great researchers, that was when real change kicked in. Yeah. Because there was finally some sort of visibility. There was finally a community that I was like, oh, okay, I could actually be a part of this. Right, momentum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So stage three is action. Action is the stage in which people have made specific overt modifications in their lifestyles. There is some temptation to relapse, but measurable change has been achieved so far. Okay. I'll use the weight example again. I remember when I started working out, like before I had never worked out before. And that weight started flying off. Right. And I was like, holy shit, this yeah. is working. Yeah. Like, I don't feel out of breath anymore. Mm. I can sleep well. Ugh. My body's not jittery all day. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I don't know that it was even significant weight. It was just the mental switch. That it feels good to feel like you're actually doing something well, especially something that you couldn't. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so pause. So I've started running again. And anytime I attempt to get on an exercise regimen of any sort, I quit immediately. I like start it and I'm like, no, fuck this. And the reason is because it's so intertwined with my body image and my like disordered eating life that I'm almost scared to exercise because I think, what if I slip back into that mindset of doing this to get thin? So I started running and I knew that I needed to do it. My body was craving it. My body was like, please just go out there and give it your best shot. And so I put on my running shoes last week and I got, I hit the pavement and halfway through the run, it was almost like euphoric. It was like, my spirit needs this. Yes. I'm not just doing, I'm not really doing this for my body as much as I'm doing this for my soul. Yes. And so that was the action that I needed to take because finally I was listening to myself, my intuition was what was just crying out for it. Like you need to just be in a space where you can just feel free. And when I got out there to run and I've been doing it since that time, I've gone out there like five or six times and I felt great every single time because when I get out there, I'm like, your soul needs this. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if I actually tagged you in it. I thought about it, but there was something on Instagram that said working out is not about losing weight and being perfect. It's about celebrating what your body can do. I love that. Oh, I love that. And that really is the literal action stage of Mm. that, of you doing these things Mm -hmm. and, and celebrating these small wins because in the change class we also talked about how you're not going to make 
your dramatic win overnight. No. That you have to bank those very small wins that may seem super insignificant in the entire picture of the problem, but you have to get that momentum again. Mm-hmm. And so celebrating those small wins and saying, I like how this feels. Yes. And I want more of this. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have the capacity to do this now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like whenever I come back from going on a run, like I went on a run today, even though the weather was really shitty, um, I still went out there. I still hit the pavement because I was like, no, this is actually something that you want to do. And I felt so compelled to do it, not because I felt like I needed to, but because I wanted to. And I've, I don't even know if I've ever experienced that before. So this is kind of like new territory for me, but I knew shout out to my good co my good friend and coworker, Cheryl, who's also a runner. I had said to her, I want to get to a place where, um, I am running three miles at least three times a week because that's where I was when I felt really, really good physically. Mentally, I was dying. I mean, mentally, that was at the peak of my body dysmorphia, but physically, I felt really great. And I was like, I want to get to that place. And so she was like all about it. We're going to go get shoes together, blah, blah, blah. But when I, I was like, okay, that's the plan. Like vocalizing it to her was like, okay, this is the plan. Like I'm going to get to that stage. So setting a goal And it's a realistic goal because I've done it before and I know I can do it. So when I told Brent about my goal, he was like, well, okay, when are you going to start getting an upgrade on headphones? When are you going to get an upgrade on your shoes? When I was like, well, those are going to be my small win rewards. So whenever I, every time I come back from a run, I feel great. I feel so good. And I'm like, okay, at the end of, you know, week number five, that's when I'm going to buy this for myself so that I can reward myself for all of the things that I've done so well. So it was like little like tickets, but it's, I have to make sure that I'm doing this the correct way, Right. that I'm not doing this because, oh my gosh, I've lost weight. No, that's not what this is about. Right. And that will take you right into the next stage. Tell me. Maintenance. So pre-contemplation was the stage that my students said they spent the most time in, but maintenance was the one that they said was the hardest. Oh, shit. Maintenance is the stage in which people are working to sustain a life with the change they are seeking. They do not apply change as frequently as people in the action stage. They are more confident in their ability to not relapse. Mm. So this means that after you set the pattern Mm. of making the change happen, Mm. that you don't get comfortable. We'll use the running example of, well, I I met my goal last week. Exactly. So I don't need to meet it this week because I learned I can do it. Or tying it back to my Zillow addiction. Yes. If I, you know, after my Lent period, which means nothing. <laughs> like I have to remember this. Like, like once Easter rolls around, that really means nothing. Yeah. Like you know, but I'm so wrapped. So I'm gonna have to work on that before Easter gets here. But like, okay, now the maintenance stage. Does that mean that Easter gets here and I suddenly hop online and go to Zillow? Right. I mean, because then I'm right back at square one. Right. I was gonna say because that is no longer healing the addiction. Exactly. Oh crap. So that means you have to do it regardless of the timeline, which Shit. is why I have all sorts of philosophical <laughs> discrepancies with the season of Lent for a variety of reasons. I know. But one I of know. them is that people are well. It's another tangent for another time. Um, But maintenance, if you think about anything that you maintain, a car, right? You don't change the oil one time and say that it's good for life. You really have to keep changing Mm -hmm. those parts that make the entire whole work. Mm -hmm. Veganism. Right, exactly. Right. And I think about 
all of those times where I wanted to cheat when I had my first stint at veganism. Mm. And many times I did cheat. Mm. So I was not maintaining. Right, right, right. And that's not saying that you can't have some grace if you break the change a few times, right? Like, it's not like you have to go all the way back. Mm -hmm. But it does mean that keeping it up is yeah. harder than doing it in the first place. Absolutely. It's easy to take a, you know, to take a step toward it. Right. Yeah. And then the last one, which most people never get here, mm. is termination. Termination is the stage in which individuals experience zero temptation and 100% self-efficacy. No matter their temptations, they will not return to their old reality. Oh, and you might God. be wondering, is that possible? And I was thinking, well, for me in veganism, yeah. Yeah, that's where you're at. I was addicted to meat for the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. And you could not get me to eat a piece of meat. I do not have cravings. I look at a slab of meat in front of me and my stomach turns. Yeah. It is yeah. not hard for me to say no to cheese. It is not mm-hmm. hard for me to say no to ice cream. And everybody who knows me knows that my addiction to food, I didn't get to that place mm-hmm. just breathing air. Mm-hmm. And I was addicted to all sorts of sugar and chocolate. And in addition to me not being able to eat that now because of my symptoms. Well, I was going to ask you that. So like the vegan thing for sure, but now with eating sugar, now since that has not been a part of your lifestyle, but that's almost a forced thing. Yeah. So I don't know if that, I don't know how that falls into this category. Well, I think about the, for me, it was never about the food itself. It was about the quantity of food and Mm -hmm. how quickly I could eat the food. Okay. And so now, because I don't have the fantasy of eating five hot dogs, an entire Ew. sheet cake, um, all of these disgusting things I did with my body just to numb myself to forget what was going on in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, you're right. I've been forced to terminate my relationship with sugar, but now when I even look at cupcakes and stuff, I just feel it. It feels gritty. My body is still having withdrawals. Absolutely. Is it really? Yes. Mm -hmm. As I'm sitting there Googling for probably an hour last night, what sugar-free desserts I can make that are gluten-free and vegan and not finding very many good options. Right. And then I actually go and I make, and I take um, oats, which I'm not even really supposed to have. I was going to say, I was like, oh, an oatmeal something or other, but yeah. you really can't have that either. Well, cause yeah, I'm not supposed to have oats. I can't even mix because I would used to get my sugar fix quote unquote by putting, mashing up bananas, putting oats in there, putting a scoop of peanut butter and then putting cocoa powder. Whoa. Yeah. And that hit the spot. I didn't want Oreos after that because what about it just like, felt so good. What about like frozen banana, like making like a swirl? She said no banana. Oh, shit. Banana is too much sugar, too much shit. natural sugar. Shit. Yeah. That's right. So I could dip an un, or a peeled apple into sunflower butter. But my body started to turn against sunflower butter, which is... Oh, my God. Yeah. And not from a health standpoint, but like... It makes me sick to taste it It, Uh, because I tried swirling in cocoa powder with sunflower butter and eating it like icing because that's what I would always do when I had regular peanut butter and it was revolting. Hmm. This is similar to a heroin addict smoking cigarettes. It's like, like, let's just swap one for the other, even though they're both bad, but you know, one is more extreme than the other. Right. No, but it's real though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the termination, I think like alcoholics would say, Maybe not all of them. They would say that they never have the temptation to drink again. But there are many. Mm-hmm. Like I think about my mom's brothers and sisters and even my mom. Like 
as somebody who struggled with alcohol and that entire family, mm-hmm. many of them are not even tempted at this point. Well, my mom, um, my mom's business partner, he was an alcoholic for many years. And then I think he, or well, you're always an alcoholic. So, but he went into rehab, um, and he hasn't had a drink in 20 something years and it's effortless. And he is a singer. Like, like my mom and him sing together. So he's in the nightlife. They're performing at country clubs where there's alcohol everywhere. I mean, it's not like he can avoid it. He's near it and around it every single day of his life. And he was actually at Christmas with us. And um, we were talking to him about it. And my mom had asked him, like, have you ever slipped up? Like, have you ever had a drink? And he was like, actually, yeah, by accident, yeah. Like, you know, I'll be out and the cups will be swapped and I'll take a sip of something and realize, oh, shit, there's alcohol in here. But he's like, but immediately my body, literally immediately is like, it didn't happen. Switch back. It didn't happen. And it's like, you just move on. Yeah. You just move on. He's like, never consciously have I taken a sip of alcohol in 20 plus years. Um, so he is at that stage. Completely. And, um, and then of course, like the jokes start setting in like, Oh, I'm going to start chugging that fireball. Like, you know, like blah, 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 blah. But everyone knows like, no, this is not like traumatic things have happened in this man's life since that time. And he has stayed true to his path. Yeah. That makes me think of our addictions to people. Oh, hell. The exes that we thought we could literally never live without. Uh. The person who I thought I could never go a day without getting a text from them. Mm-hmm. That I needed to FaceTime with them every day. Mm-hmm. And how we never think that we can heal those addictions. And now, all those years later, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and maybe not who are you. you. Thank you, Carrie Underwood, for your contribution. Is it about Jesus or your boyfriend? <laughs> or me. Or me. Um, but, but maybe not necessarily who are you, but thank you for what you contributed at the time. And now I'm moving forward. And right. I'm not going to spend six years of my life pining after you. <laughs> to the point that we even forget. I mean, some of my in-between ones. Yeah. I forget until somebody brings it up. Like, yeah. have you heard from so-and-so in a long time? And I was like, well, fuck. Wow. I, I, I name. Yeah. Like I wasted 30 pages in my journal about that person mm-hmm. and I haven't thought about them in years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the hope I think going forward is knowing that we've all probably, or many of us have probably had at least one addiction that we've healed. Mm-hmm. And so we understand the pattern. We understand what it takes. Mm-hmm. We understand what we need to do. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to do it. No, you're right. It's all about choice. You're right. R.I.P. Zillow. (laughs) Your heart chakra. (laughs) As I tell Juan in real time about this, my realization that I'm addicted to real estate websites (laughs) and the ideas of my future and what could be in that farmhouse and that apartment and that whatever, that lake house, whatever nonsense. But I said, oh God, what a sad realization that Zillow was my heart chakra all along. <laughs> so I've just been riding on that wave. <laughs> it's going to be my promo poster. It really is. The Zillow logo right in the middle of your heart. <laughs> as all of the other chakras have their regular colors. And then there is the little picture of the house that pops up on the tab. Yep. Because, honey, I didn't give up Zillow for Lent. Damn it. And so I have been on Zillow a few times. Uh. It's crazy. It really is nuts. But you know what? Every day that goes by that I'm not on Zillow, I get on my computer and I'm like, okay, why am I here? Yeah. And so it has actually forced me to 
like look at my how I'm spending my time. Again, time, not enough of it. Hello, comes yep. full circle. And I'm like, okay, if I can't waste all of my precious time visualizing about what my life could be via realtor.com, what am I going to do with my time? And the first day that I had this realization, I was like, well, shit, I'm going to go write something. So I went upstairs to my loft at my desk and I just wrote, just wrote a short story, typed a short story on my computer. And it was, and almost serendipitously on uh, Instagram, the minimalist posted a video or um, a picture and the caption was something like, I'm paraphrasing, but, um, you know, if we are constantly consuming, then we are not creating. Mm. Ooh, that's true. Put that on a bamboo stick. Smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) So that has really stayed with me for the past few days that I've done this, a week and a half, whatever it's been, um, thinking, okay, if I am not at Target buying shit, if I am not on Zillow wasting my time, if I'm not on apartment therapy thinking about how I'm going to blow up my kitchen so that I can have the perfect background tile and and all this stuff for my Instagram photos, because guess what? None of it matters. None of it's real. None of this is real. None of it is real. None if, of it is I'm real. I'm not budgeting what my rent is going to be for June 2026. (laughs) God, I laugh, but fuck, I've done it. (laughs) Like, I've done it, you've done it. Right. (laughs) If if I'm not thinking about the car that I'm going to be driving, if I'm not thinking about how great it will be to Mm -hmm. finally be on the beach, if Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking how great it will be to do any of these things that take me out of the present. Who are you? If you're not doing these things... Who are you? You. <laughs> um, but really, though. <laughs> and so ever since I had that existential crisis moment in your living room saying, wow, I'm going to strip away all of these things. When I, once I start, you know, or rather once I stop planning for the future every second of the day, who am I? Right. What what is left? Right. And then I went home and just bawled my eyes out and said, Brent, what is left? What am I? And so that process has been huge. But I think that's that's addiction for you, right? I mean, once it you is. don't have it in your life, who are you? Right, because it's an identity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's always time. Mm. Always, always time. time. God bless her. God bless her. <laughs> <laughs> If I wasn't gluten-free, vegan, sugar-free, I'd have a carrot cake in her honor I right now. I was literally going to say having a carrot cake in her honor. Oh, my God. I think it's a sign. I think it's a sign. Oh, well, for all of our friends, whether you are participating in the Lenten season or not, understanding that this relationship between time, addiction, staying in the present. Oh, gosh, yes. And being good in the present so you can be good in the future. Amen, honey. Because it don't work backwards. Oh, it sure don't. It sure don't, unless I'm in that time machine, but... Honestly, I can't wait to, like, you know, weeks from now, listen back to this and say, look at how far we've come Mm -hmm. with our practices. Yeah. We need that measurement, that maintenance stage. The maintenance, (sighs) y'all. Well, as always... What a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. See y'all next time. See ya. Bye.